Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Excuse me the fuck, but I have to re-record because some people are not very considerate. But that's fine. Um, and you know from listening to this show, I mean it, man. Oh, I mean it. I mean it. Um, 2021 was a hell of a year. It was a fucking crazy year. Not just personally, but this, this weird odyssey, as I said, I did not plan this, 17 concerts in all. I do like the number seven. The number 17, I was like, what? And yes, I will admit, it was, I was like a kid in a candy store. Because, you know, you'd see a tour. Oh, I'm going to go. I want to go. And then I'm realizing, oh, I can go. All right purchase I mean it wasn't like I was going to Taylor Swift like five times then I'd be broke five times over um and I was kind of thinking about going to an an 18th show um Tom York has another band and I thought oh okay alright but then I was like it's not Radiohead when it's Radiohead I'll go see him so this is it. This is it for the year. Next year, I've already got some shows lined up. I know. It's like, God, that's sick. Wow. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. A lot of these shows are, you know, what had happened with COVID. An example of that is Tool. This year, I saw Tool for the fourth time. Um, in 2020, I'd seen them in Fresno. That was the third time. And then they were going to do a spring tour. Well, what happened? COVID happened. So then that whole spring tour was canceled. So 2022 was them making up for what they started because they didn't want to leave it languished. And so my friend and I went and saw them. It was visceral as always. It was a different set list. And so people started to get pissed because, oh, they're not going to do the original songs and I'm just kind of sitting there like, well, they already did. And I was and I was so fortunate to have seen them on that 2020 tour. But this time around it was different. It felt it felt good. It felt more you know, they they played a new song for the first time, which was um Calling Calling Voices. That was it made its debut in Sacramento. So huh. The next one was Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. So Tool was in January. Buddy Guy was in March. I was supposed to see Buddy Guy in September of 2021. And then it was pushed back. And so my friend wasn't able to go. So her daughter went in her place. And later on, we saw Buddy Guy. But we'll get to that. Um, A lot of these were firsts, you know. Ministry. I wanted to see Ministry for such a long time. And this was a last-minute purchase. And so it was Ministry and the Melvins and another band. And so on a Saturday night, before the night before Easter, I got in my car and went to San Francisco to see Ministry. 
without realizing that, oh, wait, I'm going to be back on Monday to see Deftones and Gojira. Okay. So I show up and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've got my checklist in terms of everything. I, you know, this, 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 this paid for this parking. There was one thing that I forgot. And it wasn't until ministry took the stage that I was like, oh, shit. The moshers were wearing earplugs. And when ministry got on and I'm right there in the front. After the first song, I couldn't hear myself cheer. Oh, my God. I mean, at, at the same time, a part of me is like, oh, my hearing will come back. This is so rock and roll. Yeah. But I will tell you, it was scary. We'll get there is there's more scary moments in this whole odyssey. So <laughs> um, I could hear some of the show. They did a lot of great songs. And then and the Melvins, the Melvins were exceptional. The Melvins, you know, they started off with the Nirvana and they started off with Soundgarden and Buzz Osborne. I mean, come on. There's nothing better. And Ministry did a legendary set. So I go home. I had the ringing in the ears. I saw the doctor a couple of days later. My hearing was fine. But then I went and saw Deftones and Gojira a day and a half later. And uh, wore the earplugs. I could hear the I could hear the music, so it just filtered out the toxic noise. But I will say, and I've said this before, controversially, that Gojira outperformed the Deftones. I love the Deftones. This is my third time seeing them. But the fact that this new band, new band, Gojira, they've been around a long time outperformed the Deftones it was magical in terms of how they play and their ferocity and everything and the visuals but it was really about the music I was so close watching Gojira I mean it was it, there was a pit forming right in front of us and so then Deftones come on and I moved further back and I stayed for Deftones and, it, and they were good. They were, they're always good. But the fact that the new band outperformed them was just crazy. And now we arrive at Behemoth. I had been wanting to see Behemoth. I want to give a shout out to George Strombolopoulos, whom I've had on this show to talk about the Devils. And I've been on his show to talk about Fiona Apple. Shout out Strombo, Apple Music. Um... And he had had Behemoth play at his house, the House of Strombo, in 2018. And so I watched it, and I was just in awe of these guys. The, the music, the imagery, the makeup. And I just became a fan right there. And one night I was in a certain state, and I couldn't listen to any other music. So I put Behemoth on, and I felt like I was in this sonic cocoon, thanks to the AirPod Pros. Um... And yeah, it was, and so I immediately bought a ticket, saw them. Napalm Death opened. Arch Enemy was also in the bill. I only stayed for Behemoth. As Arch Enemy was going to come on, I left. And I didn't feel guilty about that because I was like, my intent was to go for Behemoth. And it was, it was magnificent in terms of the imagery and in terms of the visceral, 
you know, and um, they're they're a Polish metal band, so come on. And then we arrive at Bob Dylan. I'd been wanting to see Bob for such a long time, and Bob Dylan is one of those artists who has been overanalyzed, dissected, and so he really out of that necessity has created many different characters whenever you see Bob Dylan give interviews he really is playing a role you know they asked him once why do you still tour and he's like well it's a it's a deal that I made a long time ago with the chief commander it's like okay who's the chief commander but at 81 he was still vibrant he didn't do a lot of classics. He did do most likely you'll go you go your way, I'll go mine. My cousin was like, did he play Everybody Must Get Stoned? I said no, but I wish he had. Um, he didn't do like Rolling Stone, and he didn't do an encore. This one woman went ape shit because he didn't do like Rolling Stone. She just looked at me and said, he always does an encore, and I said, well, he's not doing it tonight. Um. He did a lot of new songs. We gave him standing ovations after every song. And so that really is, that's a moment to see this man who at 81 still has the uh, potency that he had decades ago. Um, And then we arrive at Joan Jett, Poison, Motley Crue, and Def Leppard. Well... I'd been wanting to see Joe Jett a long time. Joan Jett, Joan Jett is truly an authentic rock and roll performer. There is nothing fake about her. It's all about authenticity. The way she plays, the way she sings. Nobody sounds like Joan Jett. And so to be able to see, I've, I've loved her a long time. To be able to see her perform. And I thank my friends because, you know, they paid for the tickets It's like, you know, sometimes I pay for the tickets. It's like, okay. Joan Jett. Poison I was not a fan of. Motley Crue was okay. Or as my friends or someone told me later at the Nine Inch Nails show, you saw the geriatric Motley Crue. Yeah. I mean, at first, you know, you see the smoke. You see the pyrotechnics. And it's like, okay, Dr. Feelgood. But then it's, it was limp. It was very limp, shall we say. And then Def Leppard closed out the show. Def Leppard, legendary band. Great. And then a couple days later, I saw Nine Inch Nails. And uh, that was fucking crazy. And I've always loved Nine Inch Nails. A lot of these moments were firsts for me. Certain bands that I'd always wanted to see. And Nine Inch Nails, I, I wasn't really prepared. I mean, I'd known all the songs, but... The videos don't do it justice. Like, I would film it, and then I would watch it later, and I'm like, these videos don't do it justice, because what I experienced was like having sonic lightning shots hit me. It was like having sunspots hit you, but it's in the form of music. They did Closer, of course. They did March of Pigs. They did The Perfect Drug. They opened with Somewhat Damaged. I mean... That will forever ring in my ears how they did that. And it was in Berkeley. And I remember when I got there, that line wrapped around the block. 
that that for us all to be in that whole context to see Nine Inch Nails. And then a couple of weeks later, Buddy Guy for the second time. We got to see him in Sacramento at the Crest. And we filmed a little of it, but then we were later told not to film. It was great. Um, I could I could tell you that that second time this year, I, I looked I thought that's this is the last time. Because I know he's planning a final tour. I don't think he's gonna come through here again. He's gonna be eighty-seven next year. So it was a it was a fitting thing to see him twice. Um and then we arrive at that crazy month of October where I said to myself as I was leaving Mountain View that week, I won't ever do this again. It was fun, but very tiring and taxing. <laughs> so at first week of October, I went to see Meshuga, legendary metal band from Sweden. I started listening to them a few years ago that was really the beginning of a wild experience first of all Meshuga Meshuga sound better live than they do on record there are very few bands that can do that where you listen to the record the record's great but then you see them live and it's like aliens taking the stage and it's very Nordic it's very cold it's very metal and they open with Broken Cog, which is such a great song. And it was so hypnotic. And it was so visceral. And it hit you. And the Tool, I think when I saw Tool this year and how they opened, that and Meshuga right there. Those are the best intros in terms of really, you know, Tool opened the, the show with Fear Inoculum, which is a very slow song. And... Meshuggah opens with also a very kind of slow song where it builds. Um, and in fact, Tool have taken Meshuggah on tour before, but not this time. Um, and then next day, I went and saw the Black Keys in uh, Mountain View at the Shoreline Amphitheater. Band of Horses opened for them. Um, I'd been wanting to see the Black Keys for about 10 years. So to be able to see them, you know, they did Lonely Boy and they did Gold on the Ceiling. They did, um, what was that other song? Uh, Howlin' for You and uh, <laughs> they're, they're just so great. And they, had, they did a blues set um, in between the show. And so there was this gentleman sitting next to me and he had seen them in, in Vegas when it was his son. And he says that the Vegas crowd didn't like the blues set. But here in Mountain View, we love that blue set. Uh, unfortunately, there was a couple in front of me who was making out during the entire show and getting touchy-feely. And at one point, we were sitting down and the girl's hair was dropping into my water. And I just gave her a dirty-ass look. I almost wanted to say to her, and I didn't because I didn't want to get into a fight, get your split ends out of my water. And please stop making out. We can all see you. I didn't come to a show to see you and your little boyfriend make out and get all. I'm all for PDA, but not while I'm trying to watch a show. <sighs> Sometimes that's where it's kind of like maybe they shouldn't sh serve alcohol at the show. 
understand it's an experience, but people do some really stupid shit. Um, so the next night was Aftershock. Aftershock. Evanescence and Slipknot and... Oh, God. Who else was on that bill? <laughs> Rob Zombie. I didn't stay to watch Rob because I was at the Slipknot stage. And I waited there and Evanescence played. Evanescence were actually really good. I wasn't expecting that. Then the, then Slipknot takes a stage. And I was talking to these people and we were we had this good kind of energy. And they're like, let's stick together. I'm like, okay. And as we're talking and Slipknot starts... A mosh pit opens to the right of me and these guys start coming at me and I quickly reacted and got back into the crowd. There was crowd surfing. There was a wheelchair being passed. It was madness. And I think many of us were like, we thought we were going to die in that mosh pit. But Slipknot went through a very wild and wet set because it was hot. It was really hot. You can bring water to Aftershock. And, and, you know, it's a community kind of experience. But Slipknot was just wild. The next night, I went and saw Chevelle, Lamb of God, and Meshuga for the second time. Chevelle were okay. Lamb of God were wild. That was my first time seeing them. I saw a little bit of Danzig, legendary. And then I walked all the way to the end of the, to the, the, the park just to see Meshuga. It was a shorter set, but it was still just amazing. And some people were pissed that they didn't do Bleed, but I was like, whatever. And so that was a crazy four-day odyssey. And then the next week, yes, the next week after after teaching, I went and saw Pussifer. And Pussifer was just crazy. It was hilarious um, to see <laughs> Maynard James Keenan go into these other characters like Billy D. And... Um, you couldn't film until the last song. I got to talk to these two guys who were in the military. So I stuck with them because I thought, okay, if a mosh pit forms, which it didn't, I'm safe with these guys. And now we arrive at Chelsea Handler, which was also a last minute purchase. And I went all the way to Wheatland, which is outside of Sacramento, just to see her, her vaccinated and horny tour. It was hilarious. It was like again after a week of teaching it was a great um, vacation to just go and see Chelsea Handler and you couldn't film I, I did take a picture later on but when she got to the stage she couldn't believe that Wheatland was a town she's like I thought I was playing in Sacramento and we kept driving further <laughs> so yeah it was it was one hell of a night and so on Friday, I went and saw Morrissey with my friends. It was amazing. Morrissey is, as to quote my friend, he's still got a lot of issues. We think he's a boy locked in a man's body <laughs> because he abruptly left. He did, he did his 19 songs. He didn't leave in the middle like he did in uh, Southern California. You know, he did some really great songs for me. I wanted him to do How Soon Is Now. He didn't do it. He did not do it. But he did stop me. If you think that you've heard this one before, he uh, he opened with a lot of really great songs. Everyone seemed to like it. But the fact that the way he acted and his demeanor, it was really a turnoff. And a lot of the San Francisco publications 
or noting that in the review of Morrissey is a problematic character. You know, how the Simpsons parodied him and it just turned into a big shit bowl. But it was it was a great it was a great experience. And then we arrive at the final concert. Arcade Fire. Now I had tried to sell the ticket. It didn't happen. Yes, I'm aware of what went down in terms of the allegations, because they are considered allegations. Feist had pulled out of the show. Beck. I was really going to see Beck. He pulled out of the show. This other band who was a Haitian band opened for them. So I didn't know what to expect with Arcade Fire. A lot of people didn't seem to want to talk about the allegations. Understandably so. They were trying to separate the man from the music. Because they were really there for the music. But I'm sure it was in the back of everyone's mind as it was the band in terms of the performance. So I didn't buy a t-shirt because I thought, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I did when I was on the Bay bridge, get an inkling, a gut instinct that they're going to surprise you. So I kind of put that away. I was like, yeah, right. And they did arcade fire as a live act. Really earn it they really earn it they opened with some new songs that stage was a visual like a giant eye all these different visuals just striking um they went through the new album they played a lot of classics and i was up top because i had a general admission ticket so i could sit anywhere so i decided to go up on the top and then toward the end of the show i went downstairs just as they were finishing up the suburbs and going into some more songs. Um, Regine uh, was on one little stage singing um, a song from the suburbs. And it was magical. It was magical to just see that whole band sonically with it together. They are really a tight band. And that is so evident by the arrangements. They walked out at the beginning through the crowd and then when would perform and walk into the crowd so it really was it was an experience and I read that they always do this that they are one with their crowd more so than Taylor Swift <laughs> um, so yeah it was it was magical at one point their encore they went to a smaller stage right near where the mirror ball was that was hanging from the ceiling it was like going to a club it was like a magical rock disco and everyone was in it together and that really is my concert experiences 17 concerts in one year and like I said I will not do this again never say never and so I I state I will not do this again okay nope next year I'm gonna go see Death or Depeche Mode in March and then in October four days at Aftershock so that's it if maybe Behemoth tours we'll see we'll see but I don't plan to go to that many um that was a lot of time 
a lot of effort, determination, just to get in the car and go. <laughs> because a lot of these shows were spread out. Um, but yeah, it was it was a magical experience. I can say that in 2022, I broke the mold going to 17. I can also say I will not do that again. Because it, at the end of the day, it is kind of taxing on your body. I would come home. I would go to sleep, wake up, eat, drink, you know, hydrate myself, and then get back in the car and go. <laughs> so it was a nomadic kind of experience, especially in October, where it was back to back. You know what I mean? I mean, back in April, I thought, oh, this is crazy. Ministry, Melvin's, then Deptones, Gojira. It's nothing compared to October of this year, the first week of October. And so I wanted to dive into that at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And I'm tired of saying music edition because music and film go together. Many of those shows that I went to, there's a visual experience going on. It's a package. We are all in it together. And um, yeah. So for all of those shows, all of the crew and everything that put those together, I say thank you. And um, (laughs) what I did was crazy. What I did was, like I said, I I will not do that again. I will not do that again. And um, yeah, I've learned, well you get what you get in terms of those experiences so here we are the end of the year concerts and it's and it's not even december yet it's not december i'm fully aware of it but as i said before to be able to do what i did and to see these shows some I went by myself. Some I went with others. But, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't give a shit. Because if I wanted to really see that artist, I'm not going to wait for people. I'm not going to do that. Okay? Huh. So, yeah. To really tie it all up into a bow and just describe it. and Just talk about it. Why am I talking about it? Because it was an experience. It was an experience. And and it was one that, like I said, I do not want to do again. I mean, when you're when you're in the moment of it and you're experiencing it like Aftershock. Aftershock really is a community. And the, so that's why I'm trying to get friends to go. Because going by yourself is kind of a little weird. Cause it's a because it's a festival. Where when you go to a show by yourself, it's different because there's a few opening acts, the main act comes on, they're done, and then you leave. Where with Aftershock, you have to get on a shuttle and um, you get to talk to other people that you wouldn't necessarily talk to. There were people from all over the world at Aftershock. That was the other thing. This was an international explosion different bands different people from all different walks of life huh 
So I guess this re-recording turned out better than I expected. Better than the original. More emotional. More visceral. So, yeah. Think of that number. Think of that number. 17 shows. Not 7. 17. I mean, I was happy with, like, when it was at 10. I was like, okay. I could do 10. But 17, after each show, I would be like, okay. Almost, like, visually in my brain, crossing off that show. Like, okay, I've got this many left. (laughs) So, yeah. I, um... It was crazy. It was crazy. As I've said, I will not do that again. Thank you, my listeners, for going on that journey with me at the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. I think I recorded every night or beforehand or even after, but it was a trip. It was an experience. Mosh pits, which to me look like blenders, hazardous materials ahead. Yeah, yeah. But that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast in a nutshell. Is uh, these visual experiences, and they really were visual. Anytime you're dialed into a band, and you're dialed into the music, and then the visuals come, or even lack thereof, just to see the band up close, and to hear them rage into it, that is a visual all onto its own. I mean, I was planning to just talk about the Northman, but I've done so many shows about the Northman because I watched it for the third time last night. That's like going to a concert. You are in that experience, that visual experience that Robert Eggers has created for you. And when it comes to these bands, that visual experience it's whatever you take from it that's really what it is it is it's your your soundtrack so as always unpleasant dreams <laughs>